0: Hello, it's me, Melissa, and welcome to the This Human Life podcast, the almost companion podcast to my book, This Human. It's a time that we can spend together to explore what it feels like to be human in today's world, with a specific bent towards my life and my life experiences. So inevitably, we'll be talking about human-centered design and leadership and entrepreneurship and all the various aspects of self awareness and development that has us turn up powerfully in every single moment whether it's work or at home so that's the intent and I'm really glad that uh, you're here with me so this week I um, I want to talk about intuition and you know we spend so much time uh, using our brains, our logical, linear reasoning to be able to make sense of reality and make sense of what we need to do. I wanted to talk a little bit about the role of intuition in our lives and and more specifically in in our roles as, um, you know, if you are one, um, a human-centered designer or as a leader and how sometimes the situation is just too complex for us to be able to think through it and we need to utilize some other more difficult-to-explain aspects of ourselves to be able to see our way through something complex. So I'm going to call that intuition. And I want to share with you a, um, a quote, which I actually have in my book, but um, it's another Albert Einstein quote, and I'm, probably some of you are rolling your eyes going, the most quoted person. But perhaps this is not one of his most popular ones, but this is what he said, apparently, they say. The intuitive mind is a sacred gift and the rational mind is a faithful servant. We have created a society that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. So it would be interesting to see what you think of that, actually, if you agree with the notion that the intuitive mind is, in fact, a sacred gift and the um, rational mind a faithful servant. I know ever since the, I don't know, for ages and ages, but definitely ever since the Industrial Revolution, you know, our school system is um, arranged in a way that mimics that with, you know, everyone in the same age, in the same grade, and you get kind of, you know, shunted up the the levels as you meet certain requirements and get tested and all that sort of stuff, a very linear approach to mastery. And a lot of the a lot of the stuff that we get rewarded for, and we get a pat on the back for, is um, being able to know the answer quickly to a solution and um, and have get that answer right. And I think that works when um, you know what the problem is, perhaps, and you've got an idea of what the solution might be. So you know the type of problem that you're solving and you know what formulas to apply to solve that. But a lot of the challenges that face humanity at the moment don't really fit into that category. You know, I often say in my work, whenever a human shows up, we're automatically placed in the complex problem-solving space where things are dynamic and changing and a little bit unpredictable. So now applying linear methods of reasoning Logical thought sometimes um, doesn't serve us. You know, it's all very well, but how do you use your intuition? We're not really taught that in school, really. Um, can you imagine a class, maybe even at university or whatever? You know, intuition 101. Um, so I'm going to attempt to talk a little bit about how I've learned to be able to sit with my intuition and help that guide decisions that I'm making about my work or my business or, you know, being a parent, um, any role that I have. And what I've learned is uh, intuition, it kind of lives in your body. And being able to sit with that and ask yourself, um, what am I feeling about this? And actually try and get fluent in the language of feelings, senses and what they then mean perhaps in terms of emotions, I think is really important gateway to be able to follow a more deeper knowing, which comes from a very different part of your brain. Um, It comes from a more ancient part of your brain, actually, you know, the neocortex is where you do all the thinking that you know you're doing. And then we've got deeper levels of brain where, you know, habits live, our ability to relate to others live. So that's sort of the limbic system. And then the most ancient part people refer to as the reptilian brain, you know, responsible for of our pyramid drivers around food and shelter and sex. Um, you know, that's all at work and very powerful. And we're using a tiny, tiny, tiny component of the enormous power that's available to us actually as a member of the human species. And um, wouldn't it be great if we could deliberately you know access that when we're well in every aspect of our lives and so that takes a certain um, presence and a certain awareness and certain practices that help you connect with what you're actually feeling about a situation as opposed to what you're thinking about a situation you know that um kind of leads nicely into another quote that i want to share with you this is a quote from um I think it's actually from her TED Talk um, by a woman called Jill Baldy-Taylor. She, she was a neuroscientist, a researcher, and she essentially observed herself having a stroke, which is just uncanny. If you haven't watched the TED Talk, I suggest that you do. I'll put a link in the show notes. But a quote that I love and I've incorporated in my book is, um, we live in a world where we are taught from the start that we are thinking creatures that feel the truth is, we are feeling creatures that think, and when we sit with that and we and we think about the the way that we pro- approach problem solving and the way that we make sense of the world, it's so cerebral. It's so using our intellect to understand reality, and reality is just such a. I, I talk about reality a lot in these in these <laughs> in these intimate conversations with you because it's just such a. It just causes us so many issues when we think that the reality that we're perceiving is, is the one versus, you know, everyone's perception of reality is so individual and subjective and we need to remember and be respectful of that, especially if we're in a situation where we're needing to collaborate and to be able to create on behalf of others or with others a new reality that they're going to be experiencing. It's so fundamental. And... Because of that, that, that introduces such complexity into the context within which you're doing work or you're de- designing, that um, using your intellect and your rational thinking is, is not enough and that's where intuition comes in. So I wanted to tell you a story about... Um, A designer I worked with years ago, like over 10 years ago, he was an industrial designer and um, he taught me something really valuable, which he was oblivious of, of course, at the time, I've told him since and he knows what he's done, but um, he and I were working together and um, we were under, you know, time pressure to get something out and... It was all up to him. He was the designer on the on the project. I was um, the leader of a, of a group, an experience design group, and um, relying upon him to, to do the job. You know, I couldn't do it and it was up to him and time's ticking away and I'm feeling the pressure and he's feeling the pressure. And uh, I glance over at his desk and he's um, making cars out of paper. Like he had these templates and... Um, he was <laughs> he was not actually working on the thing that we needed to deliver in however many hours. He was building these things out of paper. And I was just like, what are you doing? What's going on? <laughs> having a minor conniption. And, um, you know, he explained very calmly that he needed to step away from the work and he needed to give, give his brain a bit of a break and let his body do some thinking. And the way that his body thought was just through you know, with his hands and being able to connect with that other, that other source of knowing. So by doing that, he, you know, gave his um, conscious thought a bit of, uh, just a bit, just a break, like a bit of space. And in doing so, he increased the chances that he was going to be able to access something much deeper. And, you know, the um, the brain is is just the most fascinating thing. It's constantly... Logging and cataloging. cataloging, Logging and cataloging. Input from all of your senses. And such a small percentage of that is actually brought to your awareness. But all of that is actually going in and feeding your subconscious, which is the, the input mechanism that you have to build your intuition. So just imagine that for a second, right? So we know that if every single input into our brains through our senses was brought to our attention, we wouldn't be able to do anything. (laughs) We'd just be in this complete state of overwhelm, let alone, you know, consciously regulating your liver function and pancreas and all of the things that happen without your conscious control, which has your body heal and move and act and digest and do all the things. All of that, all of those inputs are pieces of information that are going in and informing your experience of the world. And when we allow ourselves the space from, you know, conscious thought and we just connect in with our bodies and we ask our body what it's feeling about this situation, we give ourselves the ability to access this deep, deep reservoir of of knowledge that your body holds. And Being able to access that and then to be able to make sense of what your feelings are communicating to you within the context of the situation that you're in is just so powerful and it needs to be cultivated because as I said earlier, it's not, mm, we're not taught it. So to be able to cultivate this ability to access your intuition, there's three things that I explore in my book, but I want to talk about in a little bit more detail here. And they are repetition, talking to yourself, which, um, you know, feels weird to suggest that that's what you should do. But we'll talk about that in a second. And um, keeping an instinct journal. So let's tackle the first one, repetition. As I mentioned earlier, your habits exist in a part of your brain that's not the neocortex, which is the, the newest part that's evolved. It's the outside layer, essentially, of our brains where we do the thinking that we know we're doing. And then we drop down a level and um, in the limbic system that's where all of your habitual responses uh, reside I'm oversimplifying of course but just go with me and um, and the way that they become habits is through repetition and you know especially in the work of design human-centered design design is a highly repetitive really in iterative practice it's also reflective and emergent so You know, when you're sitting with a problem that you're trying to solve and you're you're trying to make sense of, say, you've got all the data and you're trying to, you're inside hunting and you're trying to work out what, what is this? What's the thing? You know, what is this information telling me? Just draw, draw map after map, draw framework after framework, you know, write down words. Just keep uh, repeating, externalizing your thinking, trying to use your body to, you know, pull something that is, subconscious up into your consciousness so that you can actually do something with it so you can put language around it and like i said a little bit earlier where i was saying our our bodies are constantly collecting data and that data gets you know processed and catalogued by our subconscious mostly this is also feeding that so you can you can deliberately use this process to inform your intuition about the work that you're doing and um So that's the first one, right? Repetition. The second one is about talking to yourself. And, you know, I was a bit coy earlier when I said it feels weird, but this is really, really, really fundamental. And we talk to ourselves all the time. And at some point someone decided that if you talk to yourself, you're crazy. But we're actually in our minds in constant conversation with ourselves. And I guess what I'm suggesting is do it deliberately um, with the intention to solve a problem So in the first step, you know, you're doing a whole bunch of repetition and you're deliberately feeding your subconscious with input data that is relevant to the problem that you're trying to solve right in front of you. And then in the second step, you cultivate the ability to be able to ask yourself some questions and then wait for the answer. But those questions are, you know, related to the the thing that you're actually trying to solve as opposed to unconscious questions that lead to, uh, you know, irrelevant scenarios that are constantly running you know the monkey mind the constant thought chatter so you know some common questions that I ask myself in the context of my work when I'm looking at an abundance of information and I can't yet see the inside or I can't see the interconnectedness of things you know things like what am I missing here or is there something I'm not seeing Uh, what's the what's the connection between these things is there a connection between this and that you know, it's like consciously interrogating your thoughts, and then valuing the sense that comes back to you in response to that question. So that's the second step, right? First one, repetition. Second one, talk to yourself. And the third one is about keeping an instinct journal. Now, I'm this, you know, everyone's sort of reflective practice is their own, and and I've been keeping a journal for over ten years now. So journaling is my thing, and that's why I share it. You can adopt whatever method works for your practice and your way of working I find the um, instinct journey journal really helpful because it's actually uh, it's a way that I can externalize my thoughts I can get them out of my head and you know I write about this in my book actually and I and I suggest that it's a daily practice when you're on project at the end of every day to sit down and just hang out with your intuition for a bit after a day's day's work and just ask yourself what's my instinct telling me What's my intuition telling me? And then just automatically just write down whatever whatever comes. Not from a place of judgment, not from a place of, oh, that doesn't make any sense, that's right, that's wrong. Just let it come out, almost like automatic writing. And the sorts of things you might, you might be writing down is, um, I've got too much data, or, you know, I think fear is driving the behavior I observed today, or, you know, we need to make sure we've got more tea next time. Like it doesn't matter the depth of, of what comes, just just capture it and write it down. And uh, one of the things that I find is that it does two things. The first one is it's actually a good practice to keep you out of attachment and solution seduction. And uh, if you're interested in those, by the way, a bit of a plug, you can go to thishuman.com and download those modules because they're live now. And it helps you keep out of attachment because you're putting it down. It's coming out of your head and you can let it go. You've captured it. And the second thing is when you're at towards, you know, when you're going through analysis and synthesis and you're going towards the end of your project to actually go back and look over that journal, I find is a really powerful way of reconnecting with your first impressions of something. And it also, I find, helps me connect back with oh yeah that's right I did notice that thing because sometimes you know you might forget something and this practice is a little bit different to the you know the conscious practice of writing down so the project documentation I'm not talking about that I'm talking about a deeper you're just writing down what your instincts are telling you you're practicing connecting with your intuition and your subconscious you know I I talk about this stuff because we don't talk about it in the context of mainstream design or leadership really and the more i am in this space the more i'm working with really complex challenges that face humanity the more i realize that we need to be cultivating these other practices that don't sound like design or don't sound like leadership that sound more like sort of you know self-awareness practices or mindfulness practices to be able to uh, equip ourselves with a more powerful toolkit to be able to you know m- navigate these times these waters and uh, you know if you've been following my work and you're listening to me and you've you know reading the book and all that sort of stuff you'll realize that my work although I often talk about it in the context of what I do is applicable just to life really you can use your intuition at any point um, in any way to address any challenge and um, I'm sure that by doing that you'll be able to access some deeper understanding of yourself and the situation that otherwise would not be available to you. So that's it for now. It was lovely being here with you again. Thank you for joining me. I'll speak to you again next week.